Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. Each week and every week, we compile our top 10 list of favourite drinks and swap notes. Well, this is in fact the first time we've compiled our top 10 list of favourite drinks because it's our two-year anniversary. Sure is. I'm excited to find out what our, like, discuss our top 10 differences. Yeah, me too. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. So uh, we're we're drinking stuff. We're drinking stuff now. We're not we're not ready to tell you what it is yet. Mm. We're going to go backwards. Are we? Oh yes, you ten. have to. You have to go backwards. Oh, ten to suspense. one. That's ten right. Ten to one. Yeah, because we're drinking number one. My number one and Stu's number one. Because mm. I mean, you've probably seen it already in the in the uh, episode picture, but actually, you may not have seen. Well. We've hinted at what it is in the episode picture. You probably won't be able to see it quite clearly, given it's such a tiny image, but I'll uh, do a little photoshopping, make it a bit harder to see. Um, so, so, Mickle's uh, written down a top 10 list, and I've written down a top 10 list. There are a lot of crossover and the, the like a lot of similar drinks, but they're not at the same positions either. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So as uh, as we talk you through and compare notes and I guess talk about why we chose what we chose, mm. where we chose it, should be good. Hmm. I'm excited. So, Mikkel, my bottom on my list of my top 10 is gin. Because like up until, up until the episode, I'd had some really shit gins. And... You know, in the last couple of years, a lot more companies have been bringing out nicer gins, like more uh, floral, more herby, just more uh, more intricate gins as opposed to your typical Gordon's dry gin or your uh, beef eater or sapphire, Bombay yeah. sapphire. Oh yeah, we've we've had some some great gins. Yeah, so I've got my I've got gin on my list as well, but I've put it at number six. Okay, so why is it number six on your list? What makes it uh, what makes it number six to well, you? For for me, it's it's a drink that goes well. It's a good any occasion drink. So until quite recently, I hadn't tried Gordon's gin or any of the other stock standard cheaper gins. Yeah. I'd only had stuff like the the Star Ward bathtub and the Suntory Roka gin. Mm. And they're really nice yeah. gins. And Interesting. They're so versatile. You can have them by themselves. You can have them with soda water or tonic water or a dash of lime. Or That's, that's really interesting because my experience has been the opposite. I've only had cheap gins up until the ones for the episode. And I think the big one was the... The big one for me was that winter bathtub gin because that really opened my eyes to citrusy gins. Yeah, oh, that was an amazing gin. Mm. And it is such a shame that Star Ward don't regularly make gin. I mean, the, everything else they make is nice too, mm. don't get me wrong, but that was a fantastic gin. Yeah. Yeah. So what's 10th what's on your list then? So the 10th on my list was absinthe. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I know you're not a fan of absinthe no. No, at all. No, it's a very... Well, it's a very in-your-face flavor, and I didn't really like it because it takes a lot of effort to prepare it well. Yeah, oh, I agree. It, it does. And the... I think probably what made the difference for me in that hitting my top 10 is that the very first time I had it, I had it in a swanky bar mm. where they had all the correct kit to drip the absinthe through a sugar cube into the glass exactly the way it's supposed to be had. And it was beautiful. Right. Yeah, that was that's nothing like my experience. <laughs> Um, it, for me, it was absinthe was a part of an ABC shot. Yeah, oh, I've had it as that too so, on far too many occasions. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't like it. Just not for, not for me. Mm, and I think as well because it's got a sort of anise flavor to it. Hmm. Like it's not an anise drink; it's you know a herbal liqueur, but it's got that flavor to it, and I like anise flavors. Mm. Yeah, my my problem was that it's very strong in flavor and very very potent. So you can't because mm. it's it's such a powerful drink. You can't really mix it. You have to go through that effort of uh, having it the right way. Well, you you say that, but after our absinthe episode, yeah, I actually started mixing it into cocktails. Okay, and made some pretty good ones with it. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of cocktails. That's probably why. Mm. I think I ended up giving you the rest of the bottle. Of you, you did, yeah. And I was <laughs> mixing it with other things that had anise flavors and hmm. balancing it out. And it worked surprisingly well. Hmm. I mean, it made some very strong cocktails. Yeah, I bet. But it, you know, is a flavor that's entirely capable of balancing out with other flavors. Mm. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, so what's next on your list then? Well, number nine on my list was tequila. Tequila. That didn't make my top ten. Yeah, I mean, for for me, I've drunk some really bad tequilas in, Ooh, yeah. in my me day. Too. But I've drunk some really good tequilas as well. Mm. Like the, the 1800 Anejo is such a nice tequila. Yeah, for me, that was probably the nicest tequila I'd had to date. Um. Yeah, I just, like, 10 years ago, I probably would have been able to appreciate tequila a lot more, um, but I've done a lot of tequila shots, and I'm a little done with those. Yeah, I'll admit I don't have it often, but as a, as a sort of a special occasion thing, a really nice tequila mm. is is good, and yeah, I've, I've still got the... Um, the Mucha Libre tequila that we had in our Wow Factor episode also has a fantastically unique flavor that mm. just makes it good to have on occasion as an accompaniment to something. Yeah, like it was a very nice tequila. Uh, just, just, you know, not my, not my thing. Um, that also way back when we did our tequila episode, the, uh, was it the Reposado that we had? Oh yes, the Zagatiba? No. Yeah, the the Espelon tequila that we did now that we drank in our tequila episode was also very was very nice. pleasant, very smooth. Hmm. That and was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. I really enjoyed that one as well. And hmm. something I found myself doing, and I guess this is in part why things have 
hit my top 10 is the frequency with which I find myself drinking them or how much I find myself enjoying them. Mm-hmm. And I found myself mixing tequila into cocktails as well. Because yeah. it's good by itself, but if you can balance the flavors out, it's also really good to add some interesting flavors to a cocktail that you just won't get in there any other way. It has been a long time since I've had that. I don't think I recommend it neat. So number nine for me is the cachaça. Oh yeah, I I loved the the cachaça. Mm, that was that was surprisingly good, like an unexpectedly good drink. And it's a shame that Australia has such a small selection of cachaça because people are missing out. Yeah, the the cachaça you can get here is good cachaça. Oh yeah, not the backyard stuff that's apparently ever everywhere in Brazil. Um, so if you haven't heard our cachaça episode. The best way to describe it is it's a lot like... It's like tequila, but has the flexibility of vodka and notes of rum. Yeah, it's enormously versatile. Mm. I mean, it, it's made my top 10 as well because it's so versatile and has such a fantastic flavor. Yeah. I've, I've got it at number three. Wow, that's very high praise. Um, yeah, because it, it is... Oh, it's really good. It's really good, and you can have it by itself. You can have it with lime and soda water. You can mix it into many different cocktails, not just mm. a caporena. I found myself mixing all sorts of different cocktails with it. Yeah, and that was one of the few spirits that I've actually gone and bought again just because it was that good. Yeah, I, I found myself going through it way too quickly yeah because it's just so easy to drink Mm. and so enjoyable to drink as well yeah i really liked the flavor flavor profile of that one uh eight we have a wine oh a wine made my top 10 believe it or not Wine made your top 10 uh it is tempranillo Mm. i i think it's just got a really really nice flavor to it yeah, it's it's bold but not excessively so mm. and it's it's got a a mix of interesting fruits and savory notes. Um it's not super bitey on the tannins. Uh it's it goes down smooth and if you want to make a sangria, ah, oh, just wonderful. Yeah, and uh funnily enough that's in my top 10 as well, temp- Tempranillo. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was going to put a different wine in until I realized we hadn't done an episode on it yet. <laughs> so so that makes it Tempranillo, because eventually we will do an episode on this other wine. Yeah, I'm actually but, surprised that it is Tempranillo, because you're a wine person. Like, oh, yeah, and there's, there's a lot of different wines that it could have... There's a lot of different wines that it could have been, mm. and I was probably... like It, it easily could have been... You know, because I've had amazing wines from every category, but I think when it comes to a good all-rounder, hmm. one that you can have in almost any circumstance, Tempranillo, because there's yeah. sometimes when you don't want a Shiraz because the flavor is too bold. There's times hmm. when you don't want a Merlot because the flavor is too subtle. But you've but, also got whites that are pretty versatile as well, like a uh, Pinot Grigio or a Riesling. Yeah, oh, Riesling's too sweet. Depends on the Riesling. It does. It does depend on the Riesling. That's, like that's like true. all wines, I guess. Yeah. Depends on where 
Um, but what, for one of the best Tempranillos I had was an import a spa- from Spain. Mm. Um, I forget what the what the actual one is, but one of the few imports that you can get here was really nice. Uh, what's your number eight? So my number eight is um, it's a whole category. It's anisets. Anisets. Well, we're talking about whole categories. Well, that's that's true, I guess. I mean, Tempranillo was a type of wine, I suppose, and it's a, it's a category of yeah. wine. Yeah, and yeah, anisets, I just... You love your licorice flavors. I like my licorice flavors, I do. Like I said on the absinthe, I like the licorice flavors. I like ouzo, and I like Sambuca. Mm. And it shows, like, all, yeah. all the, your favorite cocktails all have something anisey or uh, star anise or licorice root... Or something actually i wonder if there's a licorice root liqueur there's got to mm, be one that would be interesting i would try that yeah i i would also try that mm. so are there any is there any uh type of anisette in particular that you prefer over the others no oh, probably sambuca okay like I've, I've been drinking sambuca since way back like i i have recollections of going to a party at a bar for a friend's 18th and shouting people like her and her friends send booker shots. <laughs> and many of them did not want their send booker shots and I was not concerned at all. I had them myself. <laughs> Fair enough. I, yeah, like it's a, it has a very unique bottle. Well, I'm th- sorry, I'm thinking of Galliano. And the Galliano bottles are very unique, very yeah. eye-catching. They're tall and almost triangular. Very annoying to try and put in your booze cupboard. Yes, mine does not fit. <laughs> it's standing on the bench because it won't fit in a cupboard. So that's your number eight. Uh, so what's your seven? What's so, seven on your list? Yeah, my number seven is bourbon. Bourbon? Well, whiskey made your list. Yeah. Well, because bourbon specifically is in a, at number at number seven, because it's it's not my go to whiskey, mm. but it's but there's some but really nice bourbons. There's out some there. really nice bourbons mm. out there. It's it's one that I have found myself drinking on, and it's one I have found myself drinking on and off from time to time when I wanted a whiskey that was a bit sweeter. Yeah, because sometimes you just want something a little bit sweeter. So. A Scotch won't do it. An Irish whiskey won't do it. A Canadian whiskey might. A Canadian whiskey might, yeah. But then there are some Canadian bourbons. Mm. Or Canadian, uh, bourbon-style Canadian. Yeah, bourbon-style Canadian whiskeys, which I would still wrap under the bourbon banner. I know America would be unhappy with me for it. <laughs> but if it looks like a bourbon and tastes like a bourbon. Yeah, that's fair. It's all all about branding and ownership of the name, I think. Uh, my number seven is port. Mm, a fortified wine. Yeah. Well, I I've I like sipping on on um, on sweet fortified wines. They're just they're really really nice to just throw an ice cube in or throw a bunch of ice in and just sip that on a hot day. I mean, purists will frown at me for the for saying this, but I really like port with a with some ice in it. And to just sip it like that because it turns it from a, a thick, warm, syrupy drink to a nice, refreshing, sweet, uh, whiny, 
flavored beverage and it's really really refreshing like that Hmm. i'll admit i don't think i've ever tried it like that and while i have ports in my liquor cupboard the it's not made my top 10 because i i just don't find myself frequently thinking i want something sweet to just relax and sip on Hmm. well you you know how to make cocktails very well so cocktails are your go-to when you want something sweet to sip on yeah that's that's true and yeah even if it's a rusty nail, which you know gives you all the glories of scotch with the sweetness of a liqueur. That's yeah. I I don't often find myself going to dessert wines. Like I think probably dessert wines like port and even botrytis wine hmm. are very close to being at my top ten hmm. because I do enjoy them, but I don't find myself going there that often. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, and on the other side of it, having it neat um, in a in a glass is really nice in the winter time because mm, agreed. it warms you up from the soul, warms the oh, soul. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's my seven. Mm. So number six for me is oh, this might be a giveaway. So my s- number six is sake. Ah, and yeah, that's. Uh... That's my number one. So that that does it does give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. Yes, it it does give us a red hot chili peppers reference. Yeah. Um Yeah, I've I've started having a little more sake because it's nice. Like we've just come out of winter, so in the winter time I've been preferring drinks that warm you up and hot sake is just nice to sip on when it's hot. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, even in warmer weather, it sort of does that thing that a warm cup of tea will do Mm. in making you feel cooler by putting your internal temperature closer to the ambient temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Simply because it's warm. Now, sake being your number one means you have to have a good story behind this. Oh yeah, because I've had some really nice sakes in in Japan and I brought a really nice sake back with me mm. from Japan which was the one that we drank during our sake episode and that was a very nice sake it was a very nice sake and then we talked about four fox sake during that episode but we didn't have it mm. but then I acquired four fox sake and I drank it the way the makers of it recommend which was cold and I said well this is good this is good cold, but it's not amazing. It's not worth the price tag. I said, mm. I'm going to drink it the way that sake is traditionally supposed to be drunk. Yeah. And I poured it into my stone sake flask and I warmed it and I drank it out of a traditional stone sake cup <laughs> and it was amazing. Magnificent, hey? And I mean, clearly, if you've made a sake that is so good, you can drink it wrong and still have it be nice. Yeah. Then when you drink it right, it's life changing. And that just took sake to the absolute next level for me, knowing that a premium sake can be that good. Wow. Hmm. Very interesting. So, what's next on your list? Number six. So. Yeah, my number six was gin. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Gin slotting in above bourbon 
Yeah, slotting in above bourbon for me. And I suppose that uh, rolls us up to my number five because we've talked about gin. Let's not talk yep. about it again. Yeah. And, uh, so sl- slots neatly between bourbon and... And IPA. Ah, beer. Yeah, because I, I quite like the uh, the India Pale Ale specifically. I find it very easy to drink. It okay. pairs off well with a number of things because it's mm. got interesting flavors to it. Absolutely. IPAs are great when you have a good one. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had some interesting ones, to say the least. Um. I didn't have IPA on my top 10 because, like a lot of other drinks out there, like a lot of other other bold-flavoured beverages, my taste buds get tired, mm. like from the intensity of the flavours. So I can only really enjoy them occasionally because, you know, I just get burnt out. Yeah, and I guess that, that comes down to personal preference because i like the things like i like things with subtle flavors but sometimes i want things with you want a beer that punches you in the tongue yeah with exciting and complex flavor profiles mm. and an ipa is definitely good at that oh yeah what about the the double and the triple ipas what are your thoughts on those oh, i i would put them in in the same i mean obviously they're in the same category they're in the same yeah. ballpark yeah yeah and yeah, they are a sometimes drink, especially a triple IPA. <laughs> oh, yeah, because they're like 13%. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to have more than a couple of those. Well, that a couple of those is about the same as, uh, as a bottle of wine. Well, you wouldn't have a bottle of wine every other day. No, well, exactly. <laughs> you, you shouldn't have a bottle of wine every other day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, five. Mead May is my number five. Mm, and is is your preference there for store bought or homemade? Well, I started off with store bought because that's all I could get, and I've been making my own over the last probably six months. And now that I've feel like I've gotten the recipe right, I'm really enjoying the homemade stuff um, because obviously you make stuff that you like, you tweak it towards your own taste buds, and. That's what I've done. The my latest batch had uh, ginger, cinnamon, and cloves, and along with honey, of course, and it was just right. Probably a smidge sweet. So I think the next batch is going to be right on the money. Mm. But it, it's it's easy to make at home. You just throw some ingredients in a bottle and forget it. Forget about it for a few weeks. And then filter it and drink it. It's not not quite that simple, but it's nearly yeah, almost almost that simple. I mean, being honey, it's already pure and antibacterial apparently. So you don't just need to boil the water and pour that in. Anyway, this is an episode yeah. on top ten, not how to make mead. We already have one of those episodes. Yes, that's that's very true. That's very true. Um, but yeah, it's. There's so much variety of mead. It's like wine. You can make your own version of it. You can buy a particular version of it that you like. And it's another... Coming out of winter, it's another drink you can have hot. Oh, yeah. It's nice, hot or cold. Mm. It's also, yeah, very versatile. Yeah. 
lots of lots of different flavors. So uh, that was your you've done number five already. So my number four is stout. Mm. I really like stout. Um, I but also I would put it on the same uh, intensity flavor intensity level as IPAs. Yeah. And I'm also a big fan of stout. In fact, if you were to look at my list, you would see that I wrote stout, crossed it out, and then wrote IPA. (laughs) (laughs) It was very close. I'm impressed you didn't have stout and IPA in the list then. Well, it's only top 10. Can't can't have them all. Not not a top 12 or top 20? Top 20 would be hard to pick. Well, I think I could probably do a... Yeah, I think getting the orders, knowing which drinks would be in there would be easy. Ordering them would be hard. Mm. Abs- <clears throat> Absolutely, but yeah, I I love the the boldness, the bitterness of of a stout. I love the fact that it's generally not quite as fizzy as an ale or a lager. Yeah, and I'll admit the uh, the meatiness of it, and how you kind of you feel like you've really had something. You can't have a lot of it because mm. it fills you up, mm. but it's got that richness and chocolatiness to it yeah and it goes with like red meats and but like you could have it at a barbecue you could um, have it with something like you can have it with cheese if you wanted to you could have a cigar if you're that way inclined yeah there's there's a lot of good strong flavored things that you can a lot of options mix a stout with absolutely Mm. Uh, what's your number four? So my number four, we've uh, we've touched on already. It was Tempranillo. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you rated it quite highly. I did. I did. I, I do enjoy it because mm. it, it was going to be the one we haven't done yet. Mm. That, but, that's right. Because the one we haven't done yet, I like even more than I like Tempranillo. Um, uh, all right. So, so we're, at, we're down to number three. Yeah. Now, my number three was Cachaca, which we've also... Mm talked about already because I, I like the versatility of it and my number three is scotch whiskey yeah i i love scotch scotch is great but i can't have too much of it because my taste buds get tired of the the boldness and richness and complexity of the flavors so it only rated number three because it's a sometimes thing for me even though i really love it Mm, and that's my number two mm. is is scotch because I also really love it and it's one of the ingredients in my favorite cocktail. The rusty nail. The rusty nail, exactly. <laughs> What's in it again? Scotch and drambuie. Drambuie, that's right. Yep. Mm. Equal parts of each. Uh, so, well, my number, two is, my number two is a pale ale. Um, uh-huh. I mean, yes, it's a very, very broad category, but... I mean, I can't really. You can't really go wrong with a with a pale ale. That's uh, the flavors are, are good. They're not generally too intense. Pale ales are definitely a summer drink, and you know, I I can just drink them all day, every day, if I didn't worry about getting a beer belly. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's it's definitely refreshing. Mm. Uh, a nice cold pale ale is a refreshing beverage, to be sure. Mm. And uh, all that leaves is your number one, because mine was sake. Mm. 
the wonderful, delicious sake. So, yeah, we sort of did give it away with that list, didn't we? Uh, so my number one, believe it or not, is Chartreuse. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting one for you to pick as number one because it has strong flavours and that's something that you've kind of shied away from in the rest of your list. You're very right there, but the reason I picked Chartreuse is because when you stretch out those flavours, when you mix it with ice or soda water or even in a cocktail, it really shines. And uh, when people ask me for something interesting because we've we've tried a lot of booze haven't we oh yeah we, we've tried a lot of different drinks now mm. and when people ask for you know what's well, something interesting you've tried or something weird we should try and i always go back to chartreuse because it's got the most interesting flavors and uh it's something most people haven't had and I feel like it's got the most interesting backstory of all the things we've had. Mm, well, it does have a really good backstory. It's got monks. Yeah. it's The recipe is only known by two French monks of the Carthusian order in the Chartreuse Mountains in France. Mm. At any given moment in time, only two people in the world yeah. know the recipe. Know the exact recipe, yeah. It's amazing. Well, what's more amazing, I think, is that people have tried to analyze it and work out what was in it, and they can't. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's why it makes my top ten. Like it's it's a drink that's been around in its in the in its current form for over two hundred years, and it's just got a cool backstory. Mm, and I suppose that's something that both of our top drinks have in common. Because sake has also been around for hundreds of years. Mm, thousands, hasn't it? Yeah, and exactly as it is. It it largely has... unchanged. Mm. Always made with you know, local spring water and... That's it. All the same sort of thing. I I would say that sake is slightly more refined than chartreuse, given it's been around for so long. Well, and there's a lot of different people who make it so, naturally, they're all working on perfecting the recipe, whereas, I guess, monks are sticklers for tradition, yeah. and they're going to not worry about refining anything. It's going to be exactly the same as it always was, because that's how they've always done it, and it works. Mm. That is it. So, what do you reckon? How do you, how do you feel about our top tens? Yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing in yours that I don't like. Mm, and same with yours. Um, I pro- I probably would pick a different order if if I was gonna shuffle your top ten around, and I'm sure you do the same with mine. Actually, out of my top ten, what would you put at number one? Oh well, that's obvious. It's sake. It's sake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's sake number one. Uh, and for for yours, it'd be scotch. Because you don't have mm. my top two. Yeah, no. So naturally, your, your third yeah. climbs up to the top. Yeah. Oh, that was less interesting than, less I interesting than you anticipated. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so now I guess we can mention that we are currently drinking Chartreuse. Yeah. And, and, and Four Fox Sake. And we have a flask of Four Fox Sake sitting warm, ready yeah. to go. I'm, I'm excited. I'm super keen for that one because we've had it 
I well, I've had it cold, and you've had it cold and hot. Yes, um, but I haven't had it hot yet. And yeah, the hot is amazing. Mm. Um, quick tasting notes on chartreuse, I suppose, because obviously I'm raving about it. So, um, if you like herbs, you'll love these 120 secret herbs and spices. <laughs> um, I suppose straight away, it's just. Smells herby and a little sweet. I suppose you got there's because there's so many botanicals and herbs in there. You can't. It's hard to pick one that really stands out. Um, I don't know. It just smells smells herby. Um, yeah, it almost smells like you're drinking a garden. Yeah, a herb garden. A herb garden. Just a quick googling. It's um, shown like obviously no no one except for these two French monks know wh- exactly what's in it, but we know for sure that it's got clove, citrus, thyme, rosemary, and cinnamon in it, along with so definitely some local herbs. Yeah, there are some very definitive flavors that you can pinpoint, but knowing that there's over a hundred different herbs and spices in there you just can't taste them all they kind of mix together in this symphony almost yeah absolutely it's very very interesting um shall we try shall we go for the four fox yes let's so yeah let's uh let's add a break and we'll get back to you once we've poured the sake Alright everybody, the sake is sufficiently warmed, the uh, traditional way. Well, not quite the traditional way because I don't have a fireplace. Um, But it is heated with hot water instead of microwaving it. Because that would be sacrilege. Yeah, so we did put our stone flask into the warm water, which is how they would do it, except that they'd have boiled that warm water over a fireplace. over a fireplace. And we just boiled kept it, it in a way. kettle. Yeah, in a kettle, and then poured it into something that we sat it in. Oh, it smells good. Yeah, the, the smell is so much better when it's warm. Mm, absolutely. It's got more, more depth to it. There's like notes of honey. Mm. Um, honey, rice... Like, it tastes kind of like honey on crumpets. Or smells kind of like honey on crumpets. That kind of, like, crystally honey smell. Yeah. A little bit. I suppose it's it's a little bit there in the taste, but the... Mmm. Mmm. So good. But yeah, the the flavor, it's just so smooth and immediately warming, but not excessively warming. Mm, that's wonderful. How rude of them to suggest they have it you have it wrong. <laughs> yeah, cuz you you've had it cold the yeah. way they suggest it and it's good. Yeah. But it's not this good. Yeah. Mm. I almost feel ripped off that they've given me the wrong description. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like the I, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to 
market something in such a way that it's good enough that you can drink it cold so they can sell it in nightclubs and mm. thus have more people buying it. Yeah. But, right. but to, for the traditionalists. Yeah, to mm. really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The traditional way is the only way because it is so good. It's smooth. It's mm. complex, but not overly so. And And it tingles the tongue on the way through. Makes your tongue tingle from the little bit of citrusy, zingy notes that are left over afterwards. Yeah. Like, I can't... It's hard to describe what it's like to drink this warm. Because I can't really think of anything else that's quite like warm sake. Mm. I suppose you're just going to have to try it, dear listeners. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I think that I think that's about it for our top ten episode, our two year anniversary episode. Yeah, and so what do you think should be our top top ten? If we were to make a top ten from both of our uh, well, if we were to make a number one from both of our top tens, hmm. what do you think it should be? You've heard our entire list. What do you think that um. our number one drink is? Yeah, and what's your top 10 out of all the drinks we've talked about? Mm. Send us an email to a good drop at gmail.com. We, we would love to, to hear your thoughts and feedback. Or you could, uh, you could post it on our Facebook page. Yeah, we are on uh, both Facebook and Instagram as a good drop podcast. Mm. Um, we've also got a good old-fashioned website where you can uh, check out our library of previous episodes check out the ones we mentioned today at agooddrop.com.au. But be sure to tune in next time when we talk about Australian takes on drinks. So this will be like our uh, Japanese takes on drinks episode to some extent, but talking about um, what Aussie drink makers are doing. Yeah, because Australians make whiskey, but it's not... I don't know if you could call it Australian whiskey... We also make uh, gin, rum. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen some uh, mezcal. Uh, we definitely make uh, a version of sherry. We definitely make a version of port. And I'm pretty sure there are Australian versions of vodka as well. Yeah. I would uh, tune in next week to hear all about that. We'll go through it bit by bit and let you know our thoughts on how it compares. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, until next time. Cheers. Cheers.